This is a presentation of Redemption Bible Church. For more information, please visit our website at redemptionbc.org. Awesome. Well, I catch myself uh, periodically uh, getting lost in my thoughts, uh, especially playing the what-if scenarios. Anybody know what this game is, the what-if scenarios? Right, not just, uh, not if, uh, just I lived in a different part of the world or was born in a different Era, not what if I was really good at quarterbacking and was two feet taller and was able to play quarterbacking for the, uh, the Chicago Bears. But I catch myself typically playing the uh, what if game, especially in terms of money. Because in my head, that scenario is a more realistic and more beneficial one compared to these other ones. Or at least that's what I like to think in my head. Right. Cryptocurrency is a hot modality of investment nowadays as the uh, potential future of currency. And if you don't know what cryptocurrency is, do not worry. I don't know what it is either. But the internet says that uh, crypto is a digital or virtual currency uh, secured by the art of writing uh, or solving codes, which makes it impossible to counterfeit. And so you might have heard names like Bitcoin or dog coins, or doge coins, however you say it. Light coins, ripples, zlurps. I made that last one up. <laughs> but there are all types of cryptocurrency, right? Uh, but like Bitcoin, it's not theoretical or fictional anymore. Like you can actually buy things with Bitcoins. You can buy cards. You can buy pizza. You can buy other coins with it. We were talking about this in Preaching Lab the other week about mining for bitcoins with advanced computers that required loads of energy to sustain the mining operation or something like that. It all all seems made up, but people have become wealthy who invested in this. I catch myself thinking, man, what if I invested in a a little bit of this, whatever this is, back then, right? I wonder what if I sold it now? Let's say you got in the game and Bitcoin, you know, came about about a decade ago. It was about 10 cents in October 2010. And if you invested $100 back then, you were able to buy 1,000 Bitcoins. You want to guess how much 1,000 Bitcoins are today, as of yesterday, per the internet? $35 million. We all had a chance. <laughs> Man. But what I do think is, man, if I had this investment, if I had this much in my bank account, if my stock options would be at this level, but what I noticed is that I don't really finish this scenario out. I start it often, but I never finish it out, right? What if we hit that number? What if we had that X number of Bitcoins or Zlurps? What would happen? Maybe we'd have a bigger house. Uh, maybe we have a, a better car. We would have less student loans, so more money in our pocket. Right? Will we have less worries? Will we have less problems? Will we have less stress? Will we be more happy? Right? Keep playing that scenario out. You know, end up with more or better things, but not fulfilling things. That's because authentic fulfillment is not found in things that was never meant to be found in things, but as God's creation. We were created for a relationship with our creator. That's where we find fulfillment in that relationship. But you know what? I still play that scenario out over and over again, thinking to myself, man, what if I just had a little bit more? 
And I play that scenario over again, thinking the final result will change, that it will lead me to a better and easier and a filling life, even though scripture right here says elsewise. We sometimes get fixated on the possibilities of, if we just own this or just had this much money or possess whatever this is, then our lives would be easier and we're able to, to do more and we'd find contentment. And this morning, my prayer is for us that we would be aware of our day-to-day fixation and that we would reorient ourselves away from earthly gain or possession to heavenly treasure. That's our title for today's sermon, Our Heavenly Treasure. We'll be studying Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 24. And if you're writing things down or typing things down, this is our big idea. Write this down. Our fixation with materialism lessens as our devotion to God deepens. Our fixation with materialism lessens as our devotion to God deepens. And in this text, there are three ways of reorienting our walk with Jesus. The first one is this. Write this down. We ought to reorient our heart's desire of empty treasure to everlasting treasure. We ought to reorient our heart's desire of empty treasure to everlasting treasure. Let's look at uh, chapter 6, verses 19 through 21. Uh, Follow along with me. The word says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. Uh, But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And during our Sermon on the Mount series, we've been seeing how Jesus has been really challenging the interpretation and the understanding of Scripture amongst the people, amongst the religious leaders. And not only did Jesus correct the misunderstanding of fasting and giving and loving, he also corrects it. Right Here, Jesus is teaching us the same, and not as a to-do list, right, but, which is sometimes how we perceive it. No, this is a to-see list, a to-see list of our heart's fixation on where our heart's treasure is. And Jesus talks about two treasures, an earthly treasure and a heavenly treasure. Jesus is saying, do not make a treasure for yourself with earthly treasures. Do not accumulate things as the focus of joy. Do not acquire temporary treasure that fades, that rusts, that gets stolen. There's a warning here uh, to his followers about attaching yourself to possessions, accumulating excessive amounts of material things, because that can ultimately replace your desire for what really matters. And as followers of Jesus, we're called to share our gifts and give sacrificially and meet the needs of others. But what Jesus is talking about here is not how to create a utopian society, but he's talking about our hearts and our hearts' worship. What we value, what we treasure is measured by where and what we choose to fixate upon. You're either worshiping God or you're worshiping something else. And God calls us to reorient ourselves from one type of acquisition to another. During this time in history, online banking wasn't popular because there was no such thing as online. So it never, you know, picked up. 
But in fact, banking wasn't really trusted at all. So treasures were, were kept in the homes, right? It was kept in hard currency or in goods, right? Earthly treasures are physical, so you're able to see it. And so if you're able to see it and someone else sees it, that means you need to hide your treasure, right? Earthly treasures are, uh, are liable to physical uh, theft or decay or deterioration or deformation. In other words, it's all temporary. It will not last. And Jesus calls us to disentangle ourselves from earthly possessions. Right? Not get rid of all of your possessions, but do not live for your possessions. Do not live solely to earn possessions. Again, I want to be, I want to be clear. Owning possessions are, is not bad. Uh, we, should be, we should pay what we owe, provide for our families, save appropriately for the future. Having money is not bad. Being wealthy is not bad. But we see the focus. It's not about what we have, but what you treasure what you hope in. And Paul specifically addresses uh, the rich, the wealthy, in 1 Timothy 6.17. It says, As for the rich in the present age, charge them not to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to, to be rich in good works, to be generous, and to be ready to share the issue here becomes when we set our hope on the uncertainty of riches. And, and there's a valid reason why Jesus uh, tells us not to uh, store up earthly materialistic possessions, right? Because all of it will be no use after this lifetime. Or if our hearts are oriented around empty treasures, and so we'll live to gain empty treasures and totally miss our purpose in life, which was to be a light for God, to follow the way of Jesus and not create our own little word, but world, but live for him. But when it comes to money and possessions and riches, we don't really like to talk about it that much. And it's so easy to love money and not realize it. The love of money is so deceiving that you may be motivated by it and not be aware of it. And there's a lure out there for everyone, like a lure at the end of a fishing pole, a lure that takes you farther and farther away from the life of Jesus, the way of Jesus, and from the person of Jesus, and you might not even realize it. So let me ask you, is your heart fixated on empty treasure or everlasting treasure? Right? Are you motivated by earthly treasures? Take a second and answer that question to yourself. But we still haven't talked about what heavenly treasures are, right? right? What is everlasting or heavenly treasure? Right? If earthly treasures are linked with rust and moth and thieves, then heavenly treasure is what lasts. Right? Heavenly treasure is eternal. It is the pursuit of loving God and loving others. It is a treasure that values and puts worth in what we've already received. Uh, not treasuring the fleeting world that will pass, but treasuring the everlasting, constant, faithful God of the universe. Laying up treasure is going all in for God, for his mission, for his call in your life here on earth. But going in all means there's a cost. Let's get specific here. One theologian states it like this. If laying up treasures in heaven is the opposite of laying up treasures on earth, 
then laying up treasures in heaven will be not laying up treasures on earth, but giving them away in ways that magnify the worth of Jesus. Laying up treasures in heaven is giving it away for Christ's sake rather than accumulating it. Verse 21 says that where your treasure is, that your heart will be also. We follow what has captivated our hearts, right? Let's sit there for a bit. If you're passionate about something, about a sport, about a person, about a cause, it's because it has captivated your heart. And if followers of Jesus really trust God, if we really trust God, we will live treasuring God, treasuring what he has in store for us, what he has already given to us, what he has called us to do. We will live as if treasures in heaven really matter to a point that we should be living as a result of what God has already given us, not to earn anything, but to live out what he has given us so that we may magnify his name higher and higher. So is your heart fixated on empty treasures or is it on everlasting treasure? Three ways of orienting, reorienting our walk with Jesus. The first one, reorient our heart's desire of empty treasures to everlasting treasures. The second one is this, reorient our perspective of heavenly treasure. Reorient our perspective of heavenly treasure. We're in verses 22 through 23. Follow along with me, Matthew 6. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Um, Earlier this year, my uh, wife's car hit uh, 210,000 miles. And so the lights on the dashboard started popping up because, you know, that's what happens. And uh, so I took it to the mechanic. He said he needs, uh, that we need a new a catalytic converter. Uh, if you don't know what that is, don't worry. I don't know what that is either. I was actually calling it a Cadillac converter until Pastor Ashley corrected me. It was like, that's not a thing. <laughs> but last week, you know, I was going to different car dealerships, everyone's pl- favorite place to spend hours and hours. And uh, I was looking at new used cars, right? We would get to the desk and all of a sudden, they started, uh, all of the numbers started uh, changing and it increased like uh, game stock, uh, stock overnight. All of a sudden, we're like, what? How did this number come up, right, Sean? But um, we would get to the table, and I'm like, listen, this SUV here, this is earthly treasure, right? It will not last. This price is ridiculous. This Honda Pilot will not last. It will be eaten up by moths or by rust. Someone will steal it, according to Matthew 6. <laughs> I should have said that. That'd be awesome. <laughs> no, that's not what I said. But what did help me in this process, and the reminder that my heart needed badly, was that this is just a car. This is just a car. To be honest, I was wrestling with this text this week. I was having these thoughts of, did I spend too much? Am I putting too much worth in this object? Do I really need this? And I think it's better to think on those terms versus not having those thoughts at all. And we ended up getting a good deal on an SUV, but little did he know 
The sales guy, he was trying to sell me earthly treasure while I was telling him of an earthly or heavenly treasure. So really, I want the deal. But like a car, there's no need to bargain or sell heavenly treasure. God freely invites anyone to believe in him through his son, Jesus. Going back to the text, the imagery of the eye being a lamp of the body is another way of speaking of a healthy perspective of a follower's life. The use of light and darkness gives us understanding of our spiritual walk with God. As followers of Jesus, we're called to not only walk in the light given to us by God, not produced by our own works, but God calls us to be a light to others, meaning helping others know Jesus and help them to grow like Jesus. A lamp shines light so the path is clear and we aren't stumbling around in darkness in the same way our eyes of our body determines our direction, allows us to visualize material objects in front of us. But more importantly, it allows us to gain perspective of the value and the purpose of the material things. It allows us to see things as just things. Just a car. Just a phone. It's just clothes, just a house, just shoes. Jesus is saying to reorient our perspective of treasure, both things that last and things that don't last. So how do we do this practically? For us to reorient our perspective of heavenly treasures, we need to be thinking of eternity. We need to be thinking of eternity, of our forever. And as followers of Jesus, we need to be thinking about our eternal future more than our present to-do list. And that's really hard for me, I must admit. I'll be the first to admit that. But it's important because our perspective and fixation on the future that God has for us, that God has promised us, will dictate how we live in the now. Our perspective and our hope determines how we respond in compassion. Our perspective determines how we respond when others are in need. Our perspective determines how we respond in generosity or if we respond in generosity. And so let today be the reminder that we all need to hear, this is not our home. We've been given everything that we have by God out of his generosity and love for us. Heavenly treasure is giving versus acquiring. It is the complete opposite of what the world teaches us. The world teaches us to live for yourself. The word teaches us that each of us has received a gift to use to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. The word teaches us that we must help the weak and remember the words of Jesus, how he said it. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Randy Alcorn says this, I'm convinced that the greatest deterrent to giving is this, the illusion that earth is our home. I think in our culture today, I think we've mindlessly normalized that, man, we must need this next new thing. We have to have it. Everyone else has it. I must have it. But if we intentionally normalized giving to others what they actually need, how drastically would our lives look different? Again, Jesus is not saying to go sell everything right now, go sell your home. So the market is really hot right now. But he's saying, hold everything that you have loosely. 
Hold it loosely for the sake of making the name of Jesus great. Again, he's not saying that we should have a limit on our gross income. But the word says in Psalm 62.10 says, If riches increase, set not your hearts on them. See, what, why we're able to do this is because our relationship with Jesus alters our relationship with materialism. And if it's not, are you walking with Jesus intimately? And we can only do that not by our own strength, not through our own flesh, but allowing the Holy Spirit to reorient how we see treasure. Three ways of reorienting our walk with Jesus. Third one is this, reorient our loyalty from the way of the world to the way of Jesus. We ought to reorient our loyalty from the way of the world to the way of Jesus. Look at the last verse here, verse 24. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Right, Jesus gets specific here and shows us right, what is capable of captivating our devotion and loyalty away from God. Right, it is a mammon. What is mammon? If you're Indian, that's the last name. But in the Greek, mammon, if you look at your footnote uh, in your Bible, you might see something there, right? So what is mammon? It says this. It is, translates to money, wealth, and material possessions. Right? And this isn't something that we should dismiss or justify. Right? This verse isn't just aimed towards the wealthy or the rich or the others. The lack of mammon does not excuse us from our tendency to serve mammon as God. We're all capable of doing this. We might be doing it right now without realizing it. Money, wealth, and material possessions are not just distractions. It may be the number one replacement of our worship. For the love of money is the root of all evil, Scripture says. Let me say that again. The love of money is a danger to our souls. We cannot serve two masters. Masters demand different things and lead down different paths. But God, as our master, requires our full devotion to him. He is a jealous God. He deserves our full loyalty. But the way of the world is the opposite. It's a life that lives for yourself. The way of the world teaches that you should do it for you, not for others, not for God. But our lives are so temporary, it's a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. So when Jesus asks us to follow him, he isn't asking casually. He's asking for you to give up a life of sin pleasing yourself and live a life pleasing to God by pursuing God through holiness, through sanctification, through his word. A choice must be made. If we attempt to serve two or more masters, our loyalties automatically divide, and we're not faithful to anyone. And so if we're not actively following the way of Jesus, and then we're, means that we're passively following the way of the world. The world that promotes division, promotes hatred, promotes selfish gain, promotes individualism. 
Right? The text says that you will hate or despise one master and love and be devoted to the other master. Jesus is reorienting our hearts back to God, the Father who loves us unconditionally. So let me ask you, what is competing for your devotion to God? What is competing for your loyalty to God? What is competing to your pursuit and your faithfulness to God? Not only should we acknowledge it, not only should we fight it, Scripture says that we ought to hate it as a result of loving God. Our devotion to God ought to result in hatred in anything that competes in that devotion. But so easy to be devoted into the things of the world and then not be dis- and be distracted from our devotion to God, what He has given to us. See, the reason why there's no need for us followers of Jesus to chase materialistic things is because God has given us everything that we would ever need through His Son Jesus. Amen. And I say this, but do, you, do we actually believe this? Do you actually believe that Jesus is enough? Are you willing to give up everything if he asks you to do so? Are you willing to loosen your grip on everything that you have for the sake of Jesus? The gospel answers that. The good news of Jesus is that he came down to us, fully man and fully God, to show us where our true treasure can be found where our fulfillment and contentment is found. It's found in God. He didn't show us through his words, but he showed us through his life. Right? Jesus gave himself up so that we can have eternal life with him. But all of us, we've chased a false god. We do that. We still do that. All of us have chased earthly treasures. But there's only one person who has genuinely chased us as we are. That's Jesus. He chased us and pursued us to a point that led him to a cross, a cross that led him to death. See, the gospel is where we find our hope. It is the only place of hope. Jesus died for our sins. But the gospel is that he rose again after three days and conquering death once and for all and is in heaven right now, sitting with the Father, waiting for his return. You see, Jesus, our Savior, saves us from eternal death, not because of anything that we will do, anything that we have done, simply by believing that he is enough. Jesus, our Savior, has paid it all by his blood that satisfied the wrath of God. Jesus, our Savior, is alive for death could not hold him because he beat death. That's because Jesus is a treasure that does not deteriorate. It is not, he is a treasure that does not rust. He is a treasure that does not get stolen. He is a treasure that does, does not decay. He is a treasure that lasts forever and ever and ever. He's a treasure that will never forsake you, will never abandon you, will always understand you. He's a treasure that will wipe every tear 
He will heal every sickness. He will remove any doubt. For he is our true treasure. And if you know this Jesus, I ask you to keep treasuring him. If you stepped away from him and started chasing these earthly things, go back to him. If you don't know this Jesus, take the Bible that's in front of you and read about him. Ask him to reveal himself, because trust me, he is not hiding. He has already come. Wherever you are in your walk with Jesus, know this. The more intimately you walk with Jesus, the more closer you are with Jesus, the more you understand Jesus, the less everything becomes around you. It is a natural response of following Jesus. The deeper you get into your relationship with Jesus, the more you see his love for you. Oh, how he loves us. The more you walk with him, the more you see his love for others, non-judgmental love, true, genuine love. The more you walk with him, the more you see his holiness, the less you want to live for anything else except for this King Jesus. And the more we get to live for this King Jesus, the less we'll get fixated upon materialistic things. But today's sermon is not about thinking less of earthly possessions, but fixing our gaze on the one who is Lord of Lords, Christ Jesus. And so we get to remember and celebrate him today, our true treasure through the element of communion. But before we do that, let's take a moment to pray. Right? You can bow your heads and close your eyes. Let's take a moment to, uh, in silent prayer. Let's uh, reorient our hearts to him. Let's pray and confess in the ways that we've chased empty treasures. Let's make a choice to gaze and fixate upon this things right now. Let's make a choice to find comfort and joy in our relationship with God. So let's do that now and for a few moments in silence. Let's, let's pray to God. Thanks for listening. For more audio content and information about redemption, please visit our website at redemptionbc.org.